Mental health refers to our cognitive, behavioural and emotional well-being. It's all about how we think, feel and behave. You've heard the words, but do you really know what it is and how to look after it? I'm no expert on mental health. I choose to make it one of my values that I look after mine and yours as best I can. Anita is, however, a qualified mental health nurse in which she's trained since 2010 to 2016 to do so. In this episode with Anita, we talk about the toolbox in which we refer to different tools that you're able to utilise to keep the health of your mind at its optimum. Even when you're going through difficult periods in your life, how you can help to push past these and improve the health of your your mind. I'm Lucy, the founder of Coach Lucy, a community which focuses on health for life and gives it to you in the time it takes to make a cuppa and drink it. Welcome to A Cuppa with a Coach. It's important to mention that mental health covers a whole spectrum of things like dementia, addictions, eating disorder, suicidal thoughts, homelessness, learning difficulties and autism, just to name a few. All of which require support in many different ways and recovery focused care and management of symptoms. Anita deals with many of these different cases of mental health but on today's episode we talk about stress anxiety and depression primarily. See mental illnesses are one of the most severe illnesses on the planet. Why? Because you can't see it. Covid-19 will have a much bigger impact on our lives than we seem to realise even once it's gone. I think it's going to impact on people differently because I mean, I'm still at my work, so it's good for me because I'm still relatively leading a normal life. I'm getting to go out and go to my work and come home. My days off, I don't feel as stressed on my days off because I don't feel as if I've got to run around and do things. I don't feel that I have to see people, that I have things I have to do. So my days off are more relaxed. However, I know that other people who aren't working or who are furloughed or whatever are struggling with it. Each person utilises their own tools from their toolbox. It really is mood dependent and as you learn so much more, you'll understand what you need and um, what you should be utilising from your own box. It's understanding and realising what it is that you're in need of at that time. But what works for you and what works for me is maybe not going to work for other people. Like I hear you saying, oh, you know, can go go and read a book and stuff like that and I can do that and I find that quite has quite a calming effect on me but other people might not you know so it's about finding it's like with the exercise as well you know you have to find something that works for you and has a positive impact for you as well you know and everybody being an individual for me it's good to have like a kind of toolbox of things so I have different things that I know that I can do mood dependent day dependent that's going to work for me you know maybe one day it is going out with the dog I do that every day but going out with the dog is great therapy for me and sometimes I think oh my god I can't be arsed for this today and then as soon as I get out I'm like right this is brilliant so like going out with the dog maybe doing yoga maybe doing exercises meditating sometimes it's just about being on my own I need my own company or my mind gets really overloaded so it's about having a toolbox that you can use that's got different things in it for different days and sometimes it's maybe just lying in your bed for five minutes and doing nothing you know it's, it's finding a space for yourself that you can find peace in yeah. so and everybody is different it's important to understand that we all have a mental health as well as a physical. Sometimes when we say about mental health, it can seem quite intense, but actually mental health is very much more common than people do kind of realise. It goes from one extreme to the other. So, we, you know, I work with people who, who are detained 
and I work with people who aren't. So, and some people come into the hospital voluntarily and others don't. So therefore they have to be detained and that is simply for their own well-being. And, you know, you work with people sometimes, you do have to use restraints, you do have to use chemical interventions, but it's not all the time and that's not the be-all and end-all of my job. The, the, the kind of basis of my job is helping people and assisting them to have some kind of autonomy in their, in their life and getting back to kind of positive mental health. And I mean, your mental health is like a continuum line. So everybody has mental health as they do physical health and, you know, and they interact with each other all the time. So like myself and you, we, we both have mental health. Sometimes it's a bit more the poor end and sometimes it's really good. And you'll move up and down that continuum line right through your life and that will be it could be situational you know you could experience grief a death in the family or a breakup or you know something stressful like moving house or starting a business starting a new job all these things impact positively and negatively on your mental health so maybe you'll move down the continuum line a wee bit and you're stuck in a bad place for a wee while but that's not rigid you know it's fluid you'll move up and down all the time and it depends on, I suppose, your situation and how you deal with it. And like you were saying earlier on about having that toolbox, it's about having coping strategies that work for you, recognising those coping strategies. And when you are in that place again, you're feeling bad again or stressed or depressed, you think, well, I recognise that the last time I felt like this, I used exercise or whatever to get me out of this. So you've d developed resilience. So you can use that again and that helps you, you know, get into a better place. Uh -huh. And sometimes that doesn't work, but a lot of the time it does. But it's about knowing yourself as a person and recognising what works for you mm -hmm. and, and using those things, using those tools. I think it's about understanding that mental health is, you know, it's everybody's business now. Everybody everybody has it as, as much as physical health. Everybody, it's more prevalent now. So people are not as afraid to talk about it. I mean, if you think like one in three, four people all have a mental health mm -hmm. issue or concern, that's a lot of people, you know, that's a lot of people. That's probably more people than have a physical concern. And it's about being able to feel, well, feeling comfortable about being able to say, you know, I'm struggling or you know, I'm, I'm not having a good day or I'm not having a good time. And I think in the past it has been very stigmatised. Yeah. People feel marginalised when they are, when they're either feeling like they have a mental health issue or, or if they're diagnosed with a mental health issue. I think people feel kind of on the outskirts of society with it and, and they shouldn't because it is an everyday thing now that people can talk about it so openly. I've always spoken about it really openly with my kids, with my friends, with my family. So I would hope that if anybody felt like that, they could come to me, you know, no bother, could talk about anything, nothing shocked me. <laughs> it's important to understand as well that not everybody is qualified to give out this advice and it's important that you do seek it from someone who is able to, whether that is a GP or a mental health nurse such as Anita. Even Anita will tell you she isn't qualified to tell someone that, that they do suffer from mental health. She is only there to help once they have been diagnosed. I, I'd always be very careful about giving out advice to people if, you know, maybe if you're not qualified or you you don't know 
the right things to say because you don't want to make somebody worse. But also, you know, I think it's great that people are talking about it. And when you're saying, you know, about exercise and, and the community, that was another thing I was going to mention. You know, it's not just about exercise it's about being part of a community of a group the social inclusion which is really really important and it's a kind of it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of value mm-hmm. you know and and i think that exercise it increases your self-esteem increases your self-worth mm-hmm. it improves your mood improves sleep hygiene i know a lot of people really struggle with that so all these things it has really positive benefits to it but you know, I think it's something you, you want to do. Like, obviously, you've got to want to do it. I mean, sometimes you'll see people online. I know I've been guilty of this. Like, sometimes if I'm not in the right place and I'm knackered and I'm going through a wee lull and I, I won't exercise and I'm drinking coffee <laughs> and wine and things like that. And that's okay to do that as well. That's okay to take a wee dip out. But then when I see people online constantly like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm exercising, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, it makes me feel shit. Oh, makes me feel, yeah. feel shit about myself. Like I'm all for everybody doing whatever works for them, and I'm super proud of people who do really well and you know can go at it all the time. But when I'm not in that frame of mind, it makes me feel crap seeing people doing no, it. And no. oh hey, I'm you know I'm great. I'm doing this today, and I'm like oh my god, I feel even more lazy and chubby. Exercise has a number of benefits to our body. One of the biggest ones is the benefit of exercise on the mind. It's okay to have down days, they are very much normal and it's just understanding that they are okay and that they won't always be present all the time. I think as well with mental health, you know, it's okay to feel crap some days, you know, you're not going to be positive all the time because that is unrealistic and weird. Mm -hmm. You are going to be days where you feel down or days where you you just don't feel like yourself or days where you're just going to cry for absolutely no reason, you cry a wheel going round, you know. And that's okay as well, as long as you don't stay in that kind of emotion and know, be aware that even though you're having a rotten day or a rotten week or whatever, it's going to pass. And it's uh, about being able to recognise your thoughts and think, right, it's, that's okay. It's okay that I feel like that, you know, and not beat yourself up about it either. Sometimes it is really important to understand that we can say no to some things and it doesn't make you a bad person. Absolutely, and I think that is something that I've learned as well, Lucy, is like, obviously with my job, my job's always been in a caring capacity, whether it's kids or adults or older adults, it always has been for years, and I've always looked after other people. And I think I'm learning now to look after myself as well, and it's okay to say no to people. And what you're saying about the Zoom, you know, the quizzes and everything, I'm off every second weekend, and I think people expect me to be like, oh, yes, I'm off, like, I want to drink, or I want to take part in a quiz, I want to do this, and I don't. A lot of the time, I just want to chill out because I'm knackered from my work, you know. I'm, I'm tired from helping other people all week and with their mental health, and I really need to look after my own, otherwise, I'm not going to be any use to anybody and that's like you know you say important to help everybody and look after everybody but that's going to take a toll on you as well so sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and go well do you know what and you are I'm just going to do nothing this weekend and look after myself Mm -hmm. you know and even if you want to be a weirdo and like not even speak to anybody because I do that I'll be like I don't even want to speak to anybody and Chris will will be like what's wrong with you and I'm like I just want some time to myself but you've been in your own all day but I've been doing things Chris I just want to like lie in my bed for 15-20 minutes on my own and not speak to anybody no and that's what makes me feel better 
sometimes, like, if I'm asked to do something, ages ago I would say, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, and then I would greet about it all week, going, I don't want to do this, I don't want to go, and then try and shred myself into three or four different folk to do everything, and then be really stressed out and not enjoy anything that I did. Whereas now I'll say, I don't want to say a flat out no, but sometimes I'll just go, I'll see, let me think about it, or I'll see, and then that's that kind of gives you a way out. We'll see, and I'm like, that's a no, I know that's a no. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a, like, a horrible no, it's a maybe no. <laughs> Anita was diagnosed with stage 1 cervical cancer in 2019. It's important to mention that Anita, as her coping strategy kind of for what she was going through at that time, was very much to lead as much of a normal life as she could and she used work and exercise right up until she'd undergone surgery to help the strength of not just her body but her mind as well during what was undoubtedly the hardest thing in her life to go through. Can I just say, I was late in going for my smear. So, and I did beat myself up about that for a wee while. So I was late going. So, um, you know, I always advocate now for women to go for their, women and girls to go for their smear. Go when you're told, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be so embarrassing. But uh, I swear to God, it is nothing compared to the devastation that is caused if you don't. I was told a couple of weeks to wait and it was like January, mid-January and I still hadn't heard anything. And then they phoned me um, on the Thursday and said, could I come into the hospital cross house on the Monday and bring somebody with me? So by that phone call, I kind of knew that it wasn't good. That was three days. I, 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 was, at, I was at my work and it, that kind of took my mind off it for a wee while. But, you know, I was waiting for three days and I just I knew, I just knew it wasn't going to be good. So I took one of my friends in with me who had experienced something similar and I took her with me for kind of, moral support and that's when they told me that I had cervical cancer and I just I don't know I find it my friend said that I was I don't know kind of numb I didn't really I didn't get upset or anything I just went okay right what do we do you know yeah. but the hardest thing was like coming back and having to tell my kids and my family that was horrendous and you know I, I could cope with a lot of stuff and I could cope with how I felt but it was the you know the thought of what I was doing to my family that's what upset me the most you know they said look just take time off but I didn't want to I wanted to make my work so that I could create some sense of normality and then they took me in for an MRI to see how bad it was so I got the MRI and then I had to wait maybe about a week or so before I got the results back and I think those weeks from finding out I had it until I got the MRI was maybe four or five weeks that was probably the worst time of my life because I had no idea I had no idea you know how bad it was or or what was going to happen and I, I did have quite negative thoughts in that period of time you know I kept coming to my classes because it helped me it helped me physically and it helped me mentally I worked right up until three days before and I kept coming to my classes right up until the week before as well because that's what was helping me that's what was helping me get through it and I thought if I just be as normal as possible it's important to understand that creating building blocks are what allow us to get better. We shouldn't really expect to get from stage 1 to stage 10 without small changes in between there and sometimes that is through the guidance of a GP or a mental health advisor. And I mean, the, the thing is as well, you know, I really did struggle. Uh, I struggled with my mental health to the point where I had to actually go and see my GP and say, you know, I'm struggling with this. My anxiety is crippling. And I think as well, on top of all that, because I had my ovaries removed, I went into a surgical induced menopause, which was instant. 
So that, on top of my surgery, on top of my illness, on top of a new job, moving to a new hospital, everything. It was a lot of huge, big changes all at the one time. So that's when we're talking about the continuum line, you know, right at the beginning. So I was in a bad place then, just due to my situation. And I went to the GP and I said, look, I'm not coping. I'm not coping with this at all. The anxiety that I'm getting, which is a side effect of... Uh, menopause is really bad and uh, she's asked for if I could be given something so I was given uh, an antidepressant which works on your anxiety and that's something that you know I'm, ha- I'm quite easy to talk about right? you know I'm happy to talk about it and um, that was just something that helped me at the time until I could get myself into a better place that was like a rebuilding block for me will all experience different levels of severity of social anxiety at different periods of our lives and it's okay for that to happen and it's just understanding that even though you have it in this time it won't always be there. Social anxiety will be present in our life just at different periods of time. I, w- I didn't want to go out with friends, I was complete, I had terrible social anxiety, I didn't want to go out at all, it was crippling and I was managing to go to my work, I was coming home, I was crying all the way home, you know, it was just a horrific time but that just enabled me to get out of that stage, to enable me to use other things that worked for me. For anyone who doesn't understand mental health for themselves or those around them, there are simple steps to help you and a loved one understand how to make this difficult situation better for them in any way that you would be able to help. I would say exactly what you've said, you know, the first step and the hardest step is actually admitting to someone that you are struggling. That's quite a hard thing to do. So people should always be like commended for that, for for actually having, you know, the balls to say I'm I'm struggling. And it's about actively listening to that person and not trying to fix them as we all try and do. We all try and go, oh, well, you could do this and you could do that. It's about recognising their feelings and saying, you know, like I'm here if you want to talk about anything. Sometimes people don't even want you to talk. They just want you to listen you know, and so that they can get their thoughts and feelings out. Sometimes people need to talk and talk and talk and then they feel better just for getting it out. You know, it's like a weight off, you know, just like suggesting coping strategies. Perhaps you could, or maybe it would benefit you if you did this rather than, or you should never say you should to somebody. It's always about perhaps you could do this feel you know and recognizing no matter how small it is or how insignificant or how daft they think it is it's important to them some people you know it's relative to that person like one person could have experienced grief and somebody else could have split with their boyfriend but the the amount of negative emotion that they are feeling is just as bad and it's it's real to them you know and at that moment they are the most important person in that room so it's about making them feel like listened to and valued and it's always about letting people know you care you genuinely care about them so always display empathy and compassion and congruence to somebody like you really do genuinely care about their thoughts and their feelings sometimes it's just a wee cuddle and a cup of coffee sometimes the terms mental health can be really intense so understanding that it's the emotional health and well-being and accepting your health of your whole body rather than just labelling it as mental health can help someone come to terms with it a bit better. 
I think I think as well when people say mental health, talk about mental health, it immediately kind of <gasps> puts a barrier up yeah, uh-huh. because they think ah, you know. But it's it's not just mental; it's emotional health and it's well-being. And I think sometimes when you talk about it in the sphere of well-being, people are more accepting of it. Do you know what I mean? They're more like, right, okay, I understand well-being, and it's about all different things, and it's not just about in your head. It's about a social aspect, physical aspect, spiritual aspect. You know, it's everything. It's your whole being as an individual. So I think sometimes that's an easier way to explain it as your well-being rather than just mental health, because it freaks folk out. Again, we all have a mental health and your emotional well-being, your emotions are relevant to you. There is loads of resources out there. One of the ones that I'm going to link in the description of the podcast is from the NHS. And again, just a huge thank you so much to Anita for sitting down and just having the time to talk to me about this subject that again I feel very strongly about within what I do in my business and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast please feel free to share it and um, it really helps me out we have a few different guests well quite a few different guests kind of lined up in the coming weeks so hopefully I can get used to editing stuff and um, I'll start to have a schedule for it thank you so much for listening to our first ever episode of a couple with a coach I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a little cup of tea sitting down and just listening to this really short podcast. Join us for our next cup up with Laura Dewar, MUA. Thank you, guys. Have an awesome day. I'm Lucy, the founder of Coach Lucy, and this has been A Couple with a Coach.